Hey, ghoul friends. It's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, I am still your host and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of ooky, spooky, scary stories. God, I missed saying that so much. Oh my God, it's been what? It's been like, what, six, seven months? Y'all, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to break it down very simple for you all. I am sorry that I left without saying anything and that I stayed gone for without saying anything, but I am not sorry that I took the time off. And that's it. <laughs> I, I needed the time. I needed to get my head right again. And I I can't apologize for that because that's what I needed. And that's what I needed to come back to this again. Again, I'm sorry that I didn't say anything to you all and it was announced and it was unplanned, but it happened and I'm back. And I am so, so, so immensely grateful for those of you that have been waiting, for those of you that have been listening, because I've I've seen the numbers of people still actually listening to the show in these past few months. And um, for those of you that left like a comment or reached out and were asking like, when's the new episode going to come out again? Thank you so much. Um, I'm here. I'm back. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, I can continue to give you content like I was before. And I feel like it's going to happen because again, like I said, I, I needed that time and I took it and things are a little better for me in terms of me and this podcast, me and you right here. Things are better between us. Even though there was nothing really wrong on your half before, I just, I had to kind of screw my head back on about this. So I'm here, I'm back with this, and I'm so excited for it because the story that I have today for you all is so, so good. I feel like it's such a strong return to the show (laughs) because it's a really great spooky story. But before we dive into any of that, I just want to say, I hope that you are taking care of yourselves. I hope that you're taking care of each other. Please wear a mask. Please do not go out into public, into large groups if it is not necessary. I know that a lot of us are having a hard time being home right now, but we have to think of a bigger picture. We have to think of each other's health because unfortunately, I'm not going to name names, but Greg Abbott has been an asshole about taking care of us. So, (laughs) and and he's not the only one. There are so many leaders that should be doing a lot of different things, but they're not. And so it's going to be up to us, you know, for a while. We have to have each other's backs and take care of each other because of the pandemic. And also, I do not want you to think that I ignored this in Anyway, if you follow me on my personal pages, you see, you'll see that I have been very vocal, but Black Lives Matter, if you did not know that about me or this show, that I support black people, that I support the idea that black people should not be murdered in the streets by a group of people that are supposed to protect us, then now you know do with that information what you will. I just want to make that very clear because I do think it's important for people with some sort of platform to make it clear, I guess. I don't know. Like, I'm like, I, I guess I'm trying to say like, I don't know what you expected to hear. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't it on my return. Um, But I just wanted to make sure that you all knew that me, I mean, me personally, like it's not an issue, like, cause I know I'm not ignoring that, but Susto as a program is very pro black lives. I'm pro I'm pro a lot of things, but that's a topic that's on a lot of people's radars right now more than in a long time. And I just don't want you to forget about it. So donate what you can. Hurricane Hannah also just happened. I myself was without electricity for about 48 hours. There are people that have it and have had it a lost a lot worse than I have. So if you can, um, there are some mutual aid funds that are going around. Uh, if you want to check out my personal Instagram at Aiden is a bad kid, I, I made I made a post about some of those things. Please consider donating to the RGV food bank, especially if you don't live in the area and donate to the, the, the local mutual aid funds. 
Good Morning America said this really cute thing about the hurricane. Even before it like hit us, they were like, oh, it's going to hit a good spot because the population isn't there isn't that big. We're a population of almost 2 million. Even if we were a population of two families, it doesn't matter. It's nowhere is a good spot for someone to lose, in some cases, their lives and their property and to like lose hundreds, hundreds of dollars of groceries because their fridge you know, was without power for so long. So I don't know what to, what else to say about that. I, I'm just <laughs> really, I guess I'm just, I'm really concerned for other people in the community. And I, I know people that have, pers- I know people personally that have lost a lot of their things and parts of their lives because of this. And that it wasn't even like, it's scary to say it wasn't even like that. Str- you know what I mean? It wasn't like a category, like three hurricane. It was a category. I think it was a high one or a low two, all things considered, like a lot of people lost a lot of things. So again, just, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I really want to drive home the point that it, it's important that we support each other with all the uh, the wildness of the world right now. A pandemic, a hurricane, and police brutality. It's just there's a lot going on. And so I'm hoping that you all can understand why I kind of sat back for six months. Even though some of these things are just popping up on a lot of people's radars, a lot of them have been happening for a while. So yeah, again, just I don't know what else to say. Um, but We'll go back to the show. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited that you're here. If you are coming back, thank you for coming back. I missed you too, because I know you missed me. (laughs) And if you're new to the show, welcome. Like I said earlier, it's a podcast of ooky spooky scary stories and sometimes political commentary, but uh, we'll get into the story. Like I said, it's a really great one. So excited for you to be here. Um, If you have your own scary story that you want to be shared on the show, you can do so by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leaving your story in the review, or you can send me the story through gmail at sustopodcast.gmail.com or social media, Facebook and Instagram at sustopodcast. If it's a recording, a video, a story, send it to me. And also there is a new uh, structure for the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash sustopodcast. You can hear about that after the story. And um, I'll also be posting uh, like an outline of that on social media. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, let's get into the story of Estefania Gutierrez Lazaro, also known as the Vallecas case. The Vallecas case is named after a Madrid neighborhood where, in an apartment on Calle Luis Marin Ocho, a repeated sequence of paranormal phenomena took place, requiring even police intervention. It is one of the most famous cases among lovers of occult cases in Spain, and it has gone down in history for being the first case of paranormal phenomena to be documented in an official police report. The movie Veronica directed by Paco Plaza and produced by Netflix, is inspired by this story. Even if the events shown in the film are quite different from the real story, it is still a terrifying tale. The protagonist, or victim, of the Vallecas case is Estefania Gutierrez Lázaro, a Madrid-born teenager who lived with her family in that apartment in Vallecas. In 1991, Estefania began to be interested in occult phenomena, and one day at school took part in a spiritual evocation using a Ouija board with two schoolmates to contact the recently deceased boyfriend of one of her friends. A teacher found them and tore the Ouija board apart. The girls present that day said that after it broke, they saw smoke emanating from the glass of the Ouija board and that Estefania inhaled the smoke. Over the following six months, 
the adolescent begins to suffer from insomnia, hallucinations, and epileptic seizures. Estefania described strange human forms that came to visit her at night with no face, wearing cloaks and asking her to come with them. She would go into a rage and start barking and snarling at her siblings. Her parents took her to different hospitals trying to find the reason for her illnesses, but the doctors were never able to find anything physically wrong with her. Estefania's house was a paranormal field where they experienced mysterious faint whispering, slamming doors, and appliances switching on and off. During the final peak of her attacks on July 13, 1991, Estefania violently attacked her sister Marianela, who ended up on the floor, foaming at the mouth. The day after, on July 14th, Estefania had a serious attack of catalepsy. She was taken to the hospital in a comatose state, and she died that night. The autopsy fails to explain the reasons for her death, mentioning sudden and suspicious death. From the moment Estefania died, the paranormal phenomena in the Gutierrez house escalated. Her mother hears the screaming voice of Estefania calling her from the rooms of the house the laughter of an old man crossing the walls, glass breaking without explanation, objects moving, and doors opening and closing on their own. The paranormal phenomena escalated to even physical contact. Her mother one night woke up to the feeling of someone touching her feet and hands. Another night, Estefania's siblings woke up screaming and running in horror after their wrists were slammed violently against the wall. On November 27, 1992, the Gutierrez family called the police in a panic. Inspector José Negri and his team arrived on site in the night, finding parents and children outside the house in the rain, terrified. While a couple of agents stayed with the family and listened to the whole story from their own mouths, Inspector Negri and two other agents entered the apartment. The report written by the inspector has become a coveted object among occultists. That report describes the door of a wardrobe that opens violently and unnaturally despite being locked a few seconds before, nearly hitting the face of one of the agents. It talks about loud noises coming from the balcony where there was nothing and a strange, unidentified brown slime that had formed on a bedside table. The agents inspected the bathroom, according to the family, the most haunted place in the house, and felt a sudden drop in temperature never felt before in their life. The report also describes a crucifix, which was hung on the wall when the agents arrived and was later found on the ground. The crucifix was torn from the wood on which it was mounted, and the scratches of three claws were clearly visible where it was hung, as if it were ripped from the wall. The agents left the apartment in a hurry, aware that there was nothing they could do. On November 1st, 1993, two years after Estefania's death, a photo of her hanging in the living room caught fire, and the only part that burned was her face, while neither the frame nor other nearby objects showed any damage. Shortly afterwards, the Gutierrez family sold their home and moved away. The Vallecas case is one of the most famous cases of paranormal phenomena in Spain. It was documented by national police officers who normally aren't easily impressed, and who could not be influenced by the stories related to that apartment as they knew nothing of what had happened before. Sometime later, Estefania's mother was subjected to a psychological examination, which found signs of emotional instability, anxiety, and need for attention, suggesting that in some way, she may have accentuated the magnitude of the events to which were witnessed. 
However, the events described by the police report were unrelated to the stories told by her mother and should be interpreted as objective facts and chilling events that actually happened. god i really really missed that you know this feels like when you find like an old pair of pants that you i guess not forgot about but they were just in your closet or in your drawer wherever you store your pants and then you're like oh yeah this pair of pants that i really liked i wonder if it still fits me and then you put on the pants and they still fit and you're like ugh. Now I remember why I love these pants so much. They look so great on me. That's what this feels like. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but that's what this coming back into the podcast, doing this, telling the story, doing the research. Oh, it feels so good. I cannot tell you how good that feels and all those good things. Ugh, I, I'm not going to be able to like tell you how much I missed it. And I mean, if you've, li- you've listened to the podcast before, I always say it, how much I love doing this and how much, how much fun it is and how cool it is. That feeling never goes away. And that's nice to know that even after six months, it's still there and it feels just as good. So another quick plug, if you have your own scary story that you want to be shared on the show, you can do so by submitting them to sustopodcast at gmail.com or the Facebook or Instagram at sustopodcast. Message me, uh, email me any videos, recordings, written stories that you want me to share, and I will share them on the show. Also, please make sure to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash sustopodcast. Like I said, there's going to be a new uh, outline for the Patreon, for the tiers. The Patreon is going to be separated into three separate tiers. The first tier is going to be uh, anywhere up to $4.99 a month. And with that, as soon as you become a patron, of course, you get a free sticker. And then with that, you also get uh, access to the podcast uh, 24 hours in advance. So if I'm going to put this out on a Thursday, then you would be getting the podcast on the Wednesday before. And you would get that on Patreon before it goes live on like iTunes or Spotify or any of that. And then the second tier is anywhere from $5 to $9.99. And with that, you get, of course, your entry sticker, you get access to the shows early. And I'm also going to be sharing a link to the Google Doc where I have like my script and where I have all my research, like all the links where I have everything composed. And sometimes it's a really lengthy process where I have to piece like four different uh, articles or stories together into that one script that I follow. Sometimes I get really lucky. I strike gold and I get to use just like one link where I can copy the whole story and read that. Sometimes there's a bunch of links. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes I leave stuff out. Sometimes, you know what I mean? So you'll have access to that, I guess, like that research on the script and you can go through that and you can follow those other links that like I pulled the story from and and all of that. And then third tier is going to be anywhere from $10 and up. And with that, you get everything mentioned before. And I'll also be doing a once a month uh, Zoom session with whoever is in that group. So for some weird reason, if I have like a ton of people, I'll break it up into sessions so that it's a little more intimate each time. But I don't think I have to worry about that right now. But the Zoom session will do 
I mean, I'll take suggestions from you all too, but like we can watch a scary movie together. I'll have you all on Zoom with me while I do research for a new story and like we'll bounce off ideas. I'll listen to your stories. We can swap stories. We can watch like YouTube videos of like, like ghost videos. I don't know if you all have seen Nuke's top five on YouTube, but in the six months that the show has been on pause, I have fallen in love with that YouTube channel. Love the channel, love the videos. If y'all haven't seen them, please check them out. I would actually love to do like a live viewing of like whatever the new video is that week with whoever is in that group of $10 and up for the Patreon. That's it broken down. I'll put it in like a graphic or something and I'll put that on the social media. So keep an eye out for that. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the context of the episode. Okay, so I found some really quick things on Wikipedia, of course. When I was I guess putting the story together, one thing that I thought of, I was like, why didn't they do an exorcism? Like, why didn't they try or why didn't they go to that idea? And so I then got curious about like the process of an exorcism because I know that there is supposed to be a process from like movies that I've seen or shows or whatever. There's always like, it has to be approved by the Vatican and this and that. And so I just checked really quick process of an exorcism and I found a couple things. Uh, so on Wikipedia, of course, and I'll include this link. I'm going to read off really quick what it says here. It says, the Catholic Church authorizes the use of exorcism for those who are believed to be the victims of demonic possession. When I was putting the story together, no one ever brought up the idea of possession. I guess maybe it was insinuated because of like how she's said to have inhaled the smoke that broke from the glass of the planchette on the Ouija board, but there wasn't ever like a priest called or like a a religious leader or anybody. It just kind of, I don't know, maybe it just happened really fast before they had the chance, which is also really sad to think of. Yeah, in in any of of the links that I found online, I didn't find any information saying that they even thought of like having a religious official look at her at uh, Estefania. So I thought that was kind of strange. But anyway, so this continues. It says in Roman Catholicism, exorcism is a sacramental, but not a sacrament. I didn't understand what that means at first, but it kind of explains it here. It says unlike baptism or confession, unlike a sacrament, exorcisms, integrity and efficacy do not depend on the rigid use of an unchanging formula or on the ordered sequence of prescribed actions. So I guess that's a sacrament, something that's like, it's the same, like, uh, like, uh, like baptism, it's the same every time confession, it's supposed to be like the same, like form formula, the same sequence of actions, like it said here every time. And exorcism, from what I've seen in this uh, Wikipedia page, it's not the same every time. There's kind of like some guidelines, but people don't always follow them the same way, you know? And I'll read that a little bit more right now. But here it says, its efficacy depends on two elements, authorization from valid and licit church authorities and the faith of the exorcist. The catechism of the Catholic Church states, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion, it is called an exorcism. And then I read something a little bit later down here that was like, ooh, that's kind of scary. Here, in relating to the process, it also says, uh, solemn exorcisms, according to the canon law of the church, can be exercised only by an ordained priest or a higher prelate, prelate, uh, which I'm guessing is just a higher figure in the church, uh, with the express permission of the local bishop and only after a careful medical examination to exclude the possibility of mental illness. But the church will be very, I guess, um, logical about it and they really try and rule out like everything before they'll go 
and like proceed with uh, an exorcism. Or is that scary thing that I read? It says process of the exorcism. So this one says in the process of an exorcism, the person possessed may be restrained so that they do not harm themselves or any person present, which is why in lots of movies and shows, you see the people tied down to like a bed or something. It says the exorcist then prays and commands for the demons to retreat. The Catholic priest recites certain prayers, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Hail Mary, and the Athanasian Creed. Exorcists follow procedures listed in the ritual of the exorcism revised by the Vatican in 1999. Seasoned exorcists use the ritual Romanum as a starting point, not always following the prescribed formula exactly. So I guess this is why it's known as a a sacramental and not a sacrament, which I didn't know that was a thing, but it is. Again, later here it says, official practice of exorcism is governed by the Vatican document uh, De Exorcismus et Supplicationibus Quibus Dem. I think this is Latin. I don't know how to read it, but that's what it is. I'll put this link in the in the in the tier two of the Patreon because you'll have access to all the old um, what's it called all the old, all the previous Google Docs from previous stories. Okay, this part. The Vatican offers a course on exorcism, which in 2019 for the first time was open to members of other Christian denominations. The course is called Exorcism and Prayer of Liberation and is offered by the Sacerdos Institute at the Regina Apostolorum. Pontifical Athenium. That was a mouthful for me. It continues, the Gale Encyclopedia of the Unusual and Unexplained describes that an exorcism was a confrontation and not simply a prayer. So basically they're saying an exorcism is a fight. It's not supposed to be just like someone shows up and they praise over someone like or like a prayer circle or something like it's supposed to be a fight. And once it has begun, it has to finish no matter how long it takes. If the exorcist stops the right, then the demon will pursue him, which is why the process being finished is so essential. That's scary to me, <laughs> like because that's such a commitment, like for someone that does that, you know, like if, if you start this this fight, essentially, it's a fight that you have to finish because it's going to end, essentially, is what they're saying. And if you don't end it, the demon is going to. That is creepy to me. Um, so then this finishes up and it says, after the exorcism has been finished, the person possessed feels a kind of release of guilt and feels reborn and freed of sin. Not all exorcisms are successful the first time. It could take days, weeks, or months of constant prayer and exorcisms. So hats off to the uh, anointed and uh, legit, I guess, exorcists from that are approved by Vatican, the Vatican and bishops to do exorcisms, because that sounds so scary. Also on this page, it says there's a list of signs of, of uh, demonic invasion is what it's called here. It says signs of demonic invasion vary depending on the type of demon and its purpose, including. So I don't, if you, I don't know if you remember back uh, the episode that I did with uh, my friend Dan and his uh, wife Amanda, they shared their story with me. Dan was on the podcast and he shared their story with me about what they thought to be a, a demonic infestation of their, of, their, of their apartment at the time. And so it, it seems like those are two different things. Like there's the difference between a demonic infestation of a dwelling and a demonic possession or invasion of an individual. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. Plot twist of the century for me. Such a good story. And then, of course, come back and listen to this one and, and all the other ones if you haven't heard them. But this list of signs of a demonic invasion that says that they include, ugh, and of course, there's 13 of them, which love that number. But it says, uh, number one, loss or lack of appetite. Two, cutting, scratching, and biting of skin. Three, a cold feeling in the room. 
Four, a naturally bodily postures and change in the person's face and body. Oh, I just got chills. Five, the possessed losing control of their normal personality and entering into a frenzy or rage and or attacking others, which that is what, that is one of the things that Estefania suffered is she was known to attack her siblings. Six, change in the person's voice. Seven, supernatural physical strength not subject to the person's build or age. Eight, speaking in tongues. Nine, prediction of future events, sometimes through dreams. Ten, levitation and moving of objects slash things. Eleven, expelling of objects of things. Which I don't know what that means. Expelling of objects, because that, because that, can that explain the slime that was found in the house after Estefania passed away? I don't know. It's not very specific there. Uh, 12, intense hatred slash aversion and violent reaction toward all religious objects or items. And 13, antipathy towards entering a church, speaking Jesus's name or hearing scripture, which that one might apply to me. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want that. Um, it's it's a little difficult to find to find like a full on I guess like I was looking like like a, like the dummy's guide to exorcism which I'm guessing there's a reason they don't don't put that out there they kind of keep it I guess vague enough so that nobody tries it oh god okay here we go I'm actually looking at my screen right now and I just found a story on Vice how to perform exorcisms this should be fun okay so this is a court okay so I'm just gonna read off bits and pieces of this article. Again, this will be on the Google Doc for this episode. It says, by definition, exorcisms is the practice of driving out demons from a possessed person, a very intensive process in the Roman Catholic faith. A two-month course is required for priests to learn the ritual. But what if you're a mere layperson? Well, you will need as much knowledge as possible to rid demons from the possessed. In order to equip you with the skills you need, we have broken down the ritual in five easy steps. I'm going to say this now. I'm sure Vice has this somewhere on this page. I haven't seen it yet. Do not try to exercise somebody, <laughs> please. If this is something I guess that you're going to try and do, please seek professional help. Because from what I've just read, if you're not able to finish it, it's going to be finished one way or another. So I'm just going to read here what they've identified as a step. So it says number one is that you need to identify the symptoms. It says before you get started, you need to verify that you are dealing with a possessed person, uh, urinating, vomiting, and undecipherable speech don't necessarily mean you are in the presence of a demon. Look for more dramatic signs such as speaking in tongues, levitating, and inhuman strength. You should also be on the watch for items flying around the room and spontaneous fires that occur when in the presence of the devil, which again, if you think back to the story, is what happened to the picture of Veronica, which how creepy and also let's be honest, petty was that, that I guess like as like the last like nail in the coffin, which might be more of an analogy to use, is that they were like, oh, we're going to set her fucking face on fire in this picture. How rude and evil. Like, I hope that heaven is a real place and that Stephanie was able to go there when all that was over. That's terrible. But anyway, number two, purchase religious paraphernalia. Stock up on crucifixes, rosaries, and holy water. These sacred items are vital in casting out the demon and should be placed on the hand and breast of the possessed. You should also try to dress in a robe or some kind of black attire. I wonder why that is. Why are you supposed to dress that way? Like, does a dress code for exorcisms? For some reason, I imagine priests in line at a club trying to get in and the bouncer is like, sorry, your robe isn't dark enough. You can't come in. I don't know. Number three, it says to connect to the Holy Spirit. This part is where a strong faith will benefit you. If you have never been religious, first of all, if you've never been religious, maybe don't try an exorcism. But this says, grab a Bible and pray that a higher power will come down from the heavens and help you. You should also repent every sin you have committed, even the little things. 
I don't know if by the time I finished repenting for all my sins, I would be able to get to this possession. But I digress. Number four, perform the rite. The rite is a 5,000 word section of the Roman ritual composed of psalms, gospels, and prayers used to expel demons. Essentially, you have to spend hours commanding the demon to leave the body in the name of the Holy Spirit. Try to remember to address the demon by name. The demon will try to trick you by acting and appearing as the victim. Place your hands on the possessed person and recite the rite. Okay, that's cool. That's an interesting detail. Number five, rid the devil. After several hours or days, the person should be freed. Be careful because demons are tricky and may still be lingering. Say a few extra prayers just in case and double check that none of the material possessions in the rooms are hosting demons either. This says, okay, they do say it at the end. The exorcism ritual should be left up to the professionals, but at least you can be prepared if the devil comes to your town. So that was really cool. Again, you can find uh, all the links that I used for my research and for the context of the show afterwards in the Google Doc along with the script. So thank you all so much again. I like cannot express how much gratitude I have for those of you that are still listening, for those of you that have been waiting for a new episode. I was so surprised and so like it like warmed my heart when I had people like comment on something or reach out and be like, Hey, like when's the new Susto going to come out? I was like, wow, people actually want to hear this. That's super cool. I thought for a while, like it was just me, even though I could see the numbers, you know, I just, that inner saboteur gets in my head and is like, Oh, this isn't like a real thing that people care about, but it is. And even if it wasn't, it's important to me and that's all that should matter. So that's your, your, your after school message for the episode (laughs) is if it's important to you, that's, All that matters is it's important to you and it makes you happy and you should keep doing it. And that's why I'm back again. Thank you so, so, so much for being here, for listening. Please leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Please subscribe to the show on wherever you're listening to it on. I'm available Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. If you have your own scary story, once again, send it to me through socials or email on your, on your review on Apple podcasts. And yeah, again, Keep an eye out on the social media for the three tiers. Like I said earlier, if you subscribe to that uh, second tier where you get access to the Google Docs, you will immediately have access to all the previous episodes. And then moving forward, you're going to have access to the Google Docs for each new episode. As long as you are uh, a patron in that tier, I guess tier two is what we'll call it. But yeah. Thank you so much again. I said it a hundred times, but yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be doing this again and say your prayers. Bye.